This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 148, Twilight Codex Ordinian. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. We need a way to start our show. We need there needs to be. I think you need a way to start the show. So this is the reformation, right? That with with the expansion and like we have like cool new artwork and like a website and stuff now. Mm-hmm. And like we're supposed to be this whole new thing. It's a wonder that we haven't done anything different on the podcast. Like it is still just this hastily thrown together Actually, stupid Actually, there's thing. been a lot of improvements on the podcast. <laughs> there was an episode with me and Root. That was awesome. Uh the podcast has, in a, I think, in a lot of ways, evolved. Yeah, you have a baby now. Mm-hmm, That's sure. an evolution yeah. of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, th- I, I mean, I personally think that the way you start something is you just start, or you know, like we always could have had like a professional podcast style, like "Hello, I'm I'm Matt Martins and I'm, I'm Hunter, Hunter Donaldson. Donaldson. Uh-huh. Welcome <laughs> to Space Cat Peace Turtles." Mm-hmm. Today we, we're here. I ruined with- that by putting it in the intro of this thing. Anyways. Today really is, is, this has been a, what a weekend uh, we're having. What a time to be alive, right? Who, yeah, dude. It's, it is, it is the way forward with Prophecy of Kings uh, has officially. Prophecy of Kings? Is an what? Officially, Hunter, we've already done this joke. You don't get to do it has again. Has Matt seen this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we, returning guest, Dane Beltrami is here. Hi, Dane. Oh. Welcome so uh, we are recording this af- immediately after recording the two-hour episode we just you heard a couple days ago, uh, and now we're going to talk. We're trying ab- to go three hours on this. One. Yeah, we want to really we're gonna, we're grind. Gonna try. <laughs> uh, but no, there's there's even more content to digest. Today is actually going to be a way more. Let's go. Let's get lost in the weeds, right? Let's let's go into the forest and not come out for weeks, uh, kind of thing. Because we've got. Uh, the first official Twilight Codex Volume One Ordinian has been fully released. It is available online. You go to the Fantasy Flight website, go to the Twilight Imperium page. It is a downloadable document. You can have access to it. Uh, I believe, Dane, it comes also with all of the components that come with it that you can print on your own, right? Yep. There's a there's a separate file with all that set up for the. Uh the cards so this is a thing that you kind of you sort of half teased uh a while back when you initially released the omega what everyone refers to as the omega update and that was mage and defense grid x89 bacterial weapon and the diplomacy strategy card getting um updates um but now this is this is the future of what that sort of plan is going to look like so can you kind of just in general explain like the philosophy behind these codexes and i don't know i I don't know how much you you even personally know what you're going to do in the future but like how often we might expect to see these um what kind of style they will take like what what will be the trend of what we can expect from this and future codexes sure so yeah the back with the omega tech release there there wasn't really a specific plan as to what that would look like um it kind of evolved out of the reaction to 
uh, to that. Um, but as far as what we can expect, um, we can expect that there will be more. Uh, we, I, I'd like each issue to kind of expand on what is known about, you know, the lore of TI. Right. So there will be, there will be that. Um, I would also like there always to be something new. Um, like I, I like to wise, like a new, like a new toy play with, um, with, with the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd always like to have some kind of, uh, twist like in terms of like a, a game mode or scenario for people to play uh, i'd like there to be some level of community involvement and you know i'd, I'd like to continue to like reserve uh, the space for me to address components like mm-hmm. game components that i don't feel are working the way they intend um, right or- so when you inevitably decide to errata or remove uh, the secret objective become a martyr. You would do that here. This is the area where you would decide to throw that into the garbage. Is that yeah, what is that yeah. what I'm hearing? If I but if I did decide to errata, uh, <laughs> or rather, um, th- there is a difference between errata and 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 the omega. Think, yeah, it, totally it, true, true. Uh, then then yes, it would it would appear it would be appear here in the um and any and if there were any further like um you know it's not it's not a section i plan to have in in every codex but in the codex at least there's that section that goes over what the major rule adjustments you know in the past couple years have been Uh, if there were ever anything that i felt like needed to you know be yeah spread out to the community then it would also go here and as well as the living rules reference just a comment on that rules updates thing too because we're not going to go like in depth all, all of the things that are in, included in this are are things we have actually covered in the past but what i like about what you have done here is actually a further explanation as to why the changes were made um which is like really helpful necessary um explanations that you can't put in the living rules reference by virtue of like you literally don't have space in that already incredibly like dense document to like fit a nice paragraph explaining why you did a thing um so this is a an incredibly interesting thing to me that is i think something we have never seen um from fantasy flight with regards to twilight imperium right twilight imperium has always been this series that you get huge chunky bits once every few years and that's it um you know say for like you know they they did rules updates they were they 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 kind of made sure there were clarifications and in ti3 there was even that preset maps document that was released but there was another never anything this involved that feels almost more like what you expect from like a living card game or like even like video games where it's just like here's new stuff all the time do you have any sense like how often we might see these or is that is it just like a as it gets designed it will come out or do you you know are you planning one a quarter or one every you know six months or whatever yeah you know i don't i don't have an exact timeline for you um you know i'd like it to be fairly regular um but not overwhelming so a, a handful in a year um but it will also depend on you know what what i have uh time to right work on and and also what needs like you know if anything actually needs to to come out right yeah you're not just forcing new components into this everything similar to like what we saw from the omega which those initial omega things are included in this uh the majin and x89 those were two texts that very specifically were noted as being like bad or never purchased you know never researched 
And so your whole thing is like, hey, it turns out I want people to play the whole board game that I designed, not just like ignore huge chunks of it. And so that that feels like the biggest thing that we're seeing with um, further Omega components is like anything that you end up finding that doesn't really get touched very much is what you want to see you know, yeah. pushed further. And, and with Prophecy of Kings coming out, there's really no telling what that might turn into um as you know the meta and everything starts to shake out across the community who who knows what thing gets deemed oh actually this is kind of underpowered and nobody ever ends up researching it or whatever yep and and it really is is that the whole doesn't get played thing like it's 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 not i'm not looking to you know necessarily like balance something that's bad or good you know because there is definitely a sense of like well you know it's a shame these aren't printed components i wish they were printed yeah well so to me having the these like kind of you know print and play replacements is preferable to the the component not getting used at right. all that's yeah how i feel yeah that's certainly a, uh the the sort of slightly unfortunate aspect of this but that that is just by virtue of it being a board game um so this this whole thing in general exists as very much the more diehard community focused thing i mean i'm sure obviously you want anybody and everybody to want to use it but there is a certain level of you have to print these things off to like actually functionally use them in your game uh but i know it's going to be a kind of thing where we very often transition just like with majin and x89 like these new things are out this is now like the only thing I will ever use. Is that kind of going forward how you continue to intend these things? Is like everything that you have released in this is the update. Please feel free to th- not throw out the old thing, but cease using the old thing and start using the new thing completely. That's that's how I view them. Yeah, um, and, and you know the codex exists because we had such a positive reaction to the Omega Tech. Mm. So it is not impossible to think that, you know, if there is enough community support and demand for it, that one day, you know, maybe after you know, we've we've released, you know, all these these codex volumes, that we could see printed components of these if it's something that that people right. actually want. Yeah, um, totally. I mean that that sounds awesome, and we will <laughs> we will be a, a voice of the people to push for that. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is. That is not a like. This is me like hinting that that's yeah, what we're yeah, gonna yeah. do. There really is no plan to do that, but like you know, fe- feasibly, it's it's something that that could happen. Um, so if you like, if you like it, make yeah. it known. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Uh, well, let's get let's start getting lost because there's a there's a decent amount in this, and we're really just gonna like read everything off, break it down, talk about kind of what the implications are or why this was seeing a change. Uh, so, um, first things first, just to get it kind of out of the way, um, at the, at the tail end of this document, you include a section known as the Nexus. And this is kind of billed as the community centric, uh, section, right? Each issue of the Twilight Codex features the Nexus, a section devoted to showcasing community developed content. So in this particular issue, you have a, uh, just a map, a pre-build map. That was put together by uh, Christopher Chick, who is also known as Volverbot. Uh, if you if you are familiar with them on multiple Discord communities, uh, Volverbot designed this map and put it together and called it Right Cat Soup. Uh, and you know we're not gonna sit here and do a map analysis of it, but 
you know, uh, what my excitement for the idea of seeing more pre-made maps thrown out into the wild is is pretty huge. Uh, it's it's how I personally prefer to play Twilight Imperium. Building maps is fine, but getting to utilize um, somewhat tested or at the very least thought about maps is really interesting. Um, Hunter, do you, are are you a are you a pre-made map guy? I, I wonder where you've fallen at this point because I feel like you and I haven't played a game of Twilight Imperium together. We don't really play anymore. Seriously, a like a out. year. <laughs> yeah, we we don't play together. Um, very specifically. Um, I mean, I you know, I'll 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 have it. I mean, I'm I am a I am just like a guy at a at a buffet at this point you know what i mean and there's just there's just twilight imperium in all the in every bucket and i'm just like grabbing little bits from here and there i got twilight imperium all over my mouth and on my shirt you know um i'm just pigging out on every way they do it i'm looking at the chef and i'm like do it this way now however the chef is sitting right here with us and it's weird to have you to refer to him as just the chef when he's sitting kind of right in front oh sure yeah yeah. (laughs) well i was in my analogy world but yes yes dane dane give it to me however you got man analogy in my opinion. <laughs> we're still working through uh all of hunter's many analogies uh so yeah check out right cat soup uh it, it is it's funny because it's a map that is kind of somewhat i would say built for the expansion um one of the slices specifically which is called out is kind of like hey this is supposed to be played with what will be a new faction uh but even without it it's it's uh it's kind of a crazy map so so give it a go but let's talk about all the other new stuff that comes with this first uh volume one of the twilight codex uh let's do it hunter will you give me give me those uh the there's new faction texts that are that are coming with this um and the first one is wormhole generator wormhole generator omega um, this is obviously for Ghost, Ghost of Creus. It's an update of Wormhole Generator, regular style. Um, action, exhaust this card to place or move a Creus Wormhole token into either a system that contains a planet you control or a non-home system that does not contain another player's ships. So yeah, we're, get, we're getting away from the timing window there. Now you do it as an action whenever... What was the timing window for this it was, before? It was like status phase? Status start, phase. Yeah, start yeah. of the status phase. So it was a... A once per round. I mean, it's still a once per round, but it was a notably non-reactive thing, right? You just, you mm-hmm. had to do it during the status phase, and, and then you had to live with that. So, Dane, what w- were you noticing that wormhole generator was just not being uh, researched very often? I w- I would say out of everything that I've seen in this thing, this is the most kind of surprising to me that got a that got a change. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I- the the most most of the ghost players I, I see and myself included of course and maybe I have it just extra insight into that because I play Go so frequently but uh, wormhole generator just doesn't end up being super viable for uh, actually getting the wormholes where where you want them to be mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. end up using the Creus IFF uh, instead yeah or and 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 typically don't research wormhole generator at all really right right uh, it's kind of positioned weirdly if you don't need the effect specifically in in terms of the the tech tree um and and the only time i pe- see people really go after it is if they need both faction tech right um and it is it is the least changed of all these 
uh, yeah, abilities. it's really this is really just a timing change rather than like yeah. a full overhaul of the ability, um, which is important and and a notable stall for ghosts, which I think is interesting um, and could be used to some devastating <laughs> degrees because yeah. ghosts is the kind of faction that likes to lie in wait and exactly. and 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 I think that thematically actually really helps them out quite a bit. And something else I, I really wasn't a fan of about the way that the original version worked out um, is just the timing of it was so specific that forgetting it felt so oh, bad yeah. because there's no like, oh, I forgot about it. I can do it now. It's I forgot about it. It was literally a different yeah. phase of the game right. it's not something you can just oh i meant to you know i meant to do this yeah it's it's similar to that arborec gain a infantry thing of like man nobody remembers what to do at the start of a status phase i, I would say the closest uh new issue i have uh with prophecy of kings related stuff is there are now multiple at the end of your turn abilities and mm -hmm. those won't be hard to remember later on but right now in the transition period of like just learning prophecy of kings stuff Remembering that I have a thing to do at the end of my turn, like after I've done all my other stuff, is so hard to do that I consistently, for like, I'll go multiple, multiple turns of like, ah, I forgot to do the thing where I gain a couple trade goods. Oh, God. Okay, well, fine. We'll get it next time. <laughs> You'll have multiple turns to do that in. The problem yeah. with the status phase is it exactly. only happens. Exactly. It's spread out. Right. There's only like six of those in the whole game. So, Any ghosts love their shenanigans, and I think this will help yeah. help them with that. This is definitely more shenanigan <laughs> Yep. Uh, this, so, will, this will also interact with the... Uh, with the Refresh Biostims. Bio, yeah. bio oh, right. Biostims, as well as the new Gamma tokens that uh, Krius can get access to. Just all of that. And there's just way more with Prophecy yep. of Kings. And that, that feels like it's going to be a trend. Like, this this codex is something we have right now. We can use it with our base game stuff. We don't mm -hmm. have Prophecy of Kings yet. But recognizing how some of these things are going to impact Prophecy of Kings is kind of a, a big deal. I would even say, to backtrack a little bit, Majin Defense Grid is something that it feels like Prophecy of Kings was sort of designed with old Majin in mind, and then mm -hmm. you did new Majin, and then looking back at Prophecy of Kings, it's like, oh, hmm, <laughs> the Majin problem isn't as much of a problem now, which makes some of the Majin things... Majin can be kind of overpowered now, huh? Majin's yeah. really good. <laughs> good tech. People are going to have a... Certain, certain factions going to have a good time with that. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the next one. Uh, the, the second of three available new faction technologies is Yin Spinner. I would say Yin Brotherhood is the most deserving of at least one, if not both, new faction techs, but their green tech is especially, like, useless i've i don't think i have ever researched yin spinner unless it was because i just specifically had to research two uh two faction technologies for the secret objective so the new yin spinner omega reads uh it's still a two green requirement after you produce units place up to two infantry from your reinforcements on any planet you control or in any space area that contain one or more of your ships so this is pretty similar um, to the idea behind old Ian Spinner, but it is way less restrictive. Now it's just mm -hmm. put to infantry somewhere. Doesn't yep. as long as you have the stuff, put them there. Um, and that feels uh, significantly 
better, especially for a yin that is deciding to already go down green, like for infantry two or whatever. This helps an infantry focused uh, yin in a in a really major way. And one thing worth noting, um, again with prophecy of kings in mind, is that uh, the yin commander, which I don't think we've talked about before, yeah. but uh, it will actually satisfy a green tech requirement. Uh, oh, and and. and help help with the acquisition for this as well without digging too deep into green if that's not what the end player is looking to to accomplish wow yeah uh yeah can, just a real quick uh throw it out there the 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 thing you're talking about the commander is brother omar unlock use your indoctrination faction ability so the first time you've ever used it you gain access to brother omar and then the ability that you gain access to is uh, this card satisfies a green technology prerequisite. Yep. Uh, you may produce one additional infantry for their cost. These additional units do not count against your production limit. So in theory, you could build three infantry and then gain two more off of Yin Spinner and in a single build with one resource have built five infantry. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you are you are cloning, oh, cl cloning like a, like a like a madman. <laughs> That's insane, uh, Dane. I'm I'm really afraid. Uh, I'm actually I'm genuinely afraid of <laughs> me, what this game. Me too, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> me too. If this is this is this is going to be one of the most tested board games, and I'm still afraid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Hunter. Do you want to you want to give me uh, the new Muat Magmus reactor? Yep. Um, so Magmus Reactor Omega. Your ships can move into supernovas. Each supernova that contains one or more of your units gains the production five ability as if it were one of your units. Did I read that right? <laughs> yes. You sure did. <laughs> that is, that's insane. Uh, I, I, I don't, know all of the implications of that yet but knowing how kind of little magmus reactor normally plays into it mm -hmm. gaining like this is now a thing that muat will play around like now they that's might base their whole strategy yeah, I mean, i'm gonna I, go I get that everything. supernova and and i'm sure we'll, we can talk about the prophecy of king's in, impact which we did talk about the muat's hero puts a new supernova at the table like so the implications of this is there are, there's the potential of three total supernovas sitting on the map and if Mu muat being the only player who's allowed to put units there can also have basically extra space stocks like muat has had a balance problem right of like ah it's a little bit tough but now they have these little hidey holes they're kind of like sar in an asteroid field with chaos mapping right now you get magmus reactor you can just chill in supernovas and build a, a lot of stuff production five is a lot <laughs> so i think this is going to fundamentally change how muat is played and operates yeah. and there will always be that one supernova at at minimum yeah supernova. yeah you always have your hero in prophecy of kings yeah that's that is totally wild and very very exciting um it does i mean i, I like you're kind of pointing to like the other two supernovas there's always a chance that neither of them makes it into the game based on like how things are dealt out uh but even that is actually a somewhat limited chance because enough of the anomaly uh tiles are put in that 
I would say it's fairly rare. I'm sure like Milty or someone can throw an exact percentage number at me and I don't care. But <laughs> uh, there will, like you said, there will always be a guarantee of at least one supernova that you can at least place because of your uh, hero. So uh, I am, I don't know, Hunter, you're the resident Muat hater. Does this, um, does this change your mind? Does this excite you to give Muat another go with Prophecy of Kings? Well, to do a little <laughs> bit of backtracking, I... I the the storyline of me and Muat was that I uh, I think had strong feelings about Muat in a positive way, and then I think we sort of went through a breakup, and <laughs> this is kind of a like look at what Muat's done in the intervening. You know, I, we haven't talked in a long time, and Muat's got new hair and a new job. Muat went you know back to I mean? college and like yeah. really turned their life around. Muat is looking great and I'm feeling kind of slummy. You know, I'm feeling kind of like, you know, are I'm we like, at what have I done? Three weird analogies now for the day. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm that's what I'm going for. And hey, we got plenty of time left. I'll get I'm looking at five, but yeah. Um I think I'm thinking about getting back together with Muat. That's what I wanted to say. Good. Uh so that's all of the faction tech that is included uh, with this initial codex. Uh, but what you've also done, Dane, is included a, a new addition for Omega stuff, which is five different faction promissory notes. Uh, what what were you noticing? I mean, we'll get into each one specifically, but it's kind of crazy to see five completely new um, promissory notes. So were, were you... Here, here's what I will put forward is... Hunter and I routinely undervalue promissory notes, but it seems like maybe you have now found a position where some promissory notes were being properly undervalued versus the normal thing of Hunter and I just undervaluing every single promissory note that exists. Yeah. Um, for me, just from a design perspective, promissory notes are my favorite thing that I implemented mm. the worst, I guess. Oh, interesting. Uh, I am, I am like, I still really like the idea of them, but am not super satisfied with how a lot of them turned out. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the the silver bullet ones because they're oftentimes they're so debilitating. Like in the case of Stymie, yeah, uh, that you just never want to give them away, or the effect is just so minor that you just don't really care. Yeah, um, and then just. You know, the fact that some of them just nobody ever wanted at all, period. Right. Yeah, the point of a promissory note is that it is a sellable resource. And if it is not sellable because it is either too weak or it hurts you so bad, it is not worth a price worth selling, right? If it's a thing where it's like, well, I would have to get like 10 trade goods for this to be worth it for me. No one's ever going to mm -hmm. pay that much. That's sort of like the stymie problem. So, so yeah, each of these is... I would I would definitely agree with basically what we have here is a barony, the yin, the arborek, the winu, and the L1Z1X promissory notes have all gotten reformed. Out of those five, uh, arborek, yin, and winu, I 100% agree. And uh, the barony and the L1s are like, oh, that's a welcome change. I'm very happy to see this become a more actually sellable resource, especially for factions that are notably, like in Barony's case, they don't have much to sell, right? They, don't, they only have two commodities and war funding was really tricky to use. So let's go through each of them and then we can talk a little bit more specifically about uh, why these changes were made. And so we'll start with uh, the Barony Aletnev. War funding Omega 
now reads as, after you or your opponent roll dice during space combat, you may re-roll all of your opponent's dice, and you may re-roll any number of your dice. Then return this card to the Letnev player. Yeah, just for clarity's sake, it's after you and your opponent roll dice. Right. It's not like you would do it after just one of you. It's like you let everybody rolls dice, and then you can re-roll any number of them. Right, either yours or your opponent's or all of both or whatever. So this feels uh, significantly more powerful. This is essentially a change of what used to be you could make Barony spend two trade goods and then you would get to re-roll your own dice. And that mm-hmm. sucked for Barony to give out and it wasn't even that huge of a gain for you yourself. Um, so then no, it became it- a value proposition where Barony was just like, I can't sell this. This is worth nothing because I'm going to lose $2 when you use it. So why would I like you have to sell, you have to buy it for more than $2 and the re-roll is generally not worth like three trade goods or more. Yep. And there was all the confusion surrounding whether or not you can or can't do right. it. If the Barony does or doesn't have two trade goods and what happens if they have only one and it, it, it just ended up to me feeling like a big dud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, something we didn't mention earlier, it sucks that I'm now mentioning this almost 30 minutes into this episode. All of the text that we're reading today is, um, I guess, theoretically subject to change. We are recording this like literally oh, three right. weeks before <laughs> this episode comes out. And the codex is actually something, Dane, that's like what still going through review. Yep, it's still it's still heading through its its final steps. So it is it is entirely possible that something we we talked about today could end up being slightly different by the right. time it really generally is. speaking the themes of what we're talking about are going to be true but you might have a card that actually has a, a slightly different wording so sorry about that anyways so this new baron ability is significantly better uh and is something interestingly enough uh and i've seen people that have tested it talk about the idea of like selling it twice right because you can all you could have sold it beforehand already have it use it and then in the second round of combat buy it from barony again and then use it again so like a double re-roll um which is just a huge money maker for barony which is a big big deal and and i think uh very valuable so i'm 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 really excited to to get to throw this one in there it's worth noting there's like a break uh between you may re-roll all of your opponent's dice and you may re-roll any of your uh dice which is to say that those are two independent abilities of which you can do one or either right you can do both basically if you if you want to but do not need to one of those highly technical <laughs> rulesy things right yeah yeah uh hunter give me gray fire mutagen the yin promissory note all right at the start of a ground combat against two or more ground forces that are not controlled by the yin player replace one of your opponent's infantry with one infantry from your reinforcements then return this this card to the yin player so it's uh, it's what the old one was like. Just stop. Yin can't. Yeah, just Yin do doesn't their thing get to. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yin doesn't get to do their thing, and now it's I get to do the Yin thing, and it doesn't even cost me any influence. So that's like, that's pretty great. That's pretty awesome. I would say that has uh, as much usability as like something like Teklar Legion. Right. This, where it's this like, is. Oh, I'm bad at this. Uh, I think I'll that is what the community has learned over time about promissory notes right dane when you initially put them in i can get that sense of like this is a totally new thing this is completely uncharted territory here is a bunch of different versions of the idea and what i think the community fell on is the ideas 
that, like you said, are the silver bullet, the thing that just hurts you, that's not a thing I ever want to sell then. So Greyfire and no. Mutagen is you getting to a, a second chance to like, okay, well, let's get rid of the silver bullet. And the the real value of any promissory note is in gifting someone else an ability to gain something. And it, and it shouldn't necessarily cost the person who gave it out because the cost is what it costs that person to buy it. So anytime, you know, a, a really good example of this is like Muat can give out war sons and war sons that's a huge deal so it should come to muat at a little bit of a cost so it costs them a fleet pool but you have to factor that command counter into how much you sell the promissory note to give that out so with Greyfire mutagen it was a situation of what is it worth for you to have a card that you only use against me why <laughs> like there's no value that i can ascribe to that that makes it worth it for me to give you a thing that you will literally only use against me yeah and the other the other thing about those is that it it isn't that other players didn't want to have the silver bullets to use on other on on their opponents but it's that those players didn't want to purchase them right because it's it, it's it's a lot it's a lot harder to you know put yourself in that situation where the other person isn't going to be willing to but if you're like actively seeking the ability to harm somebody that is already putting you at the uh, kind of a disadvantage it's like why yeah. do you want this right you just want to use like in, in my head i think i wanted them to act more as like kind of like additional ceasefires right, right. like well, you have this so that means we're good right yeah like, yeah because you can hurt me but in practice just it, it didn't turn out that that was a, a very good way to to do things yeah yeah Let, let's get into what i think is the most needed uh, change in a promissory note, which was Arborex Stymie. The old Arborex Stymie was literally just like, you don't get to produce if you're adjacent to me. And the nature of it was a thing where like, I can completely screw over the Arborex if I want to. I can trade this card to somebody else who could then use it to completely screw over the Arborex. And like, when that is Arborex's whole thing <laughs> is producing on the go out of my infantry and you get to just stop that, I have never once ever seen stymie sold to another player in any game of twilight imperium so i'm very excited to literally see any change I, don't, I haven't even like really investigated the text of this but just knowing that it exists is like okay cool we're gonna things are gonna be very good going forward so stymie omega reads as after another player moves ships into a system that contains one or more of your units you may place one command token from that player's reinforcements in any non-home system, then return this card to the Arborek player. That is a dramatic change from what old Stymie is. So can you, Dane, walk me through kind of like what the decision was and like how you reformed this card? Because this is like a completely different thing. Yeah, so I wanted to keep the... the uh the idea of something being stymied, but now rather than the Arborex growth being stymied, it is the Arborex that are stymying the the actions of the, the person who the promissory note is being used against. Right. You've literally, by giving out this card, you have given someone else the ability to 
grow the weeds in someone else's way, right? Like Basi- my yeah, command no, counter ba- is basically that is exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I have I have now overgrown on this planet, and you can't get out of it because it's you're gonna have to fight through the stuff that's in your way. That is uh, a funny and brilliant uh, workaround for like the, the fact that you would want to keep the same name for these abilities, right? It, it would be weird if Arborette got a completely new promissory note that was just called like Roundup or whatever. Like, it's yeah, like- <laughs> Roundup. And, and ultimately, I'm not looking to, and, and I think that's clearest probably with the ghost uh, um, rather than the others, but I'm not looking to grant a whole bunch of new abilities yeah. to people. Like, that's what Prophecy of Kings is for. Like, uh, you know, and and due to the nature of what the Omega stuff is and the things that I've changed, it does seem like some of these are coming essentially are brand new abilities, but the, the, the point was to kind of keep things right a little bit close to what they were, at least in theme, if not mechanically. Right. Right. Yeah. This, this is probably the most extreme case of where the mechanics are wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the second, um, I would say biggest case is this Winu promissory note that has changed and i mean deservedly so um not even just because the winu promissory note was like unusable i think there was plenty of edge cases where it was like you know what this this can be done but winu has been locked in this they're the worst faction um situation for a long time and so i think they were deserving of something that was like let's give them a a superpower right they they just never it never felt like they had a true superpower because their superpower is you're gonna take mechatel rex and hold it Um, but the flip side of that superpower is if you don't do that, you're dead in the water. So, um, this new acquiescence Omega is very, very interesting to me as something that the Winu can sell often, uh, which is when the Winu player resolves a strategic action, meaning activates a strategy card, you do not have to spend or place a command token to resolve the secondary ability of that strategy card, then return this card to the Winu player. So the first part of that meaning, don't have to spend it, I can just do tech, or I can just do Imperial, or whatever. I can do any secondary without spending it because I have this card. But that or place is very specifically a boost to construction, which is interesting because construction is another thing that sort of has been mildly lackluster. Construction is like among the least drawn strategy cards. It's basically construction and diplomacy. And diplomacy saw a rewrite to help improve it, but construction didn't really see any of its own rewrites. But this is like a little minor tweak that makes construction something way more interesting that can be utilized if Winu is in the game, obviously. So now Winu can activate construction and someone else can place their space stock or PDS without it kind of ruining the rest of their round, which is typically the case with uh, the Mm -hmm. construction secondary. Yeah, it, it does kind of between this and uh, the, like the Reclaimer mechs from Prophecy of Kings, the the Winu mech. It does kind of add like a almost secondary like structure or construction oriented. Right. Like, yeah. Theme, theme yeah. There's this the weird. Way. There's this weird re-theme of Winu. Like in TI three, Winu was just this like oh they're kind of a jack of all trades, but also that's not thematic or interesting at all. And so your your reaction to that for TI four was like well. They're this Mechatol faction. I mean, they, they have a a sect of their, you know, people that are on Mechatol, so let's make them Mechatol focused. But then strategically that turned it into kind of a narrow thing. But you get to you get an opportunity to reform that into like this idea that there's also this this the goals of the game 
is something that they are focused on and acquiescence mm-hmm. gets to kind of redivert into that idea of like hey they're really good at like claiming new territory doing uh, secondary actions of of big major sweeping actions and also yeah the mechatol thing i'm yep. kind of interpreting it as almost like an industrious aspect to them like not necessarily like economic but just like efficiency right cool do we want to read cybernetic enhancements yeah give it to me um all right this is the the new l1z1x promissory note when you gain command tokens during the status phase gain one additional command token then return this card to the l1z1x player it is i think finally it is finally doing the intention of it yeah yeah of being being a sellable command token right yeah the the idea of old cybernetic was that you have to pull a token from l1's strategy pool and then you get to add it to your own or whatever and that was just like oh god now l1 always has to work around whether or not they want to give up a command token basically it's another one of those revisits revisits to the idea that anything that costs the player that's giving it up screws up the value of how much that player is willing to sell it for, right? Cybernetic Enhancements was difficult to sell because you had to factor in the cost of a command counter into it. And now it is just, I'm going to give you this so it isn't worth an amount to you. And that's all it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a one-sided thing with most promissory notes. This gets you a free thing, so you need to pay me for it rather than the normal interaction, which is I need to pay the board game the thing right i pay the board game for tech i pay the board game for command counters promissory notes are an opportunity to pay a player for that thing and uh, the ones that cost the player the thing always screwed up that interaction and so this is a a significant reformation of that idea to to be able to say like okay this is this should be free for l1z1x there were even dan i feel like i remember a point in time when you tried to errata the l1 note and you broke the board game do you remember that i did yeah (laughs) i tried to i tried to bring the l1 and soul notes in into into line with just so that everything was nice and uh consistent um and (laughs) and in doing so created for a brief window i think it was really only like it's like an a hour day yeah exactly yeah uh an infinite loop in which <laughs> l1 and soul could could I, I make infinite tokens yeah um, you you made it to where it didn't cost l1 a token like if, if l1 didn't have a token they didn't have a token yeah. they could yeah. sell they the thing and what that turned into was soul could then buy it get a token, use the token to get two infantry, and then the next, like, keep rebuying it, and for infinite amount of turns, Soul could just get infantry, as long as L1 was willing to also gain whatever they were going to gain from it. You know, if you yep. get, if you and if you give L1 military support, cool. Now we both just gain two infantry on every single planet we want, forever yep. and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> So this is the culmination of that idea that you wanted to implement, but with an actual change to the card to do it. Yep. Now we get to get into the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now it's now it's action card time. Not only do we have uh, new promissory notes, new faction tech, new new. Well, actually, the the base the new basic tech, our old basic tech, but they're old new. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have new action cards. Um, we've got quite a few actually. I, I count. 
Well, seventeen. There are twenty. Yes. Yeah. There's 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 one of which is a a four of right. We have a new four of, oh, and yeah, then a yeah. bunch, and then a bunch of others. Um, but yeah, this is gonna be fun because these are not reformed ideas. This is just new action cards. Dane, what 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 compelled you to just like you know what new stuff? Take it. Go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, so you know, I wanted people uh, to have something fun to to play with from this from this codex that wasn't just like a you know some some patching patching holes up uh-huh. um i want i want people to have something cool to play with uh, between now and the time the prophecy of kings comes out um and you know i added 20 new uh, action cards in prophecy of kings as well but there there were still ideas that yeah. i had um and even with those 20 new action cards there were still times when the deck was getting reshuffled right um and so I was just like, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's let's get just one more set of uh, of ideas out there with yeah. action cards. So your goal I mean, is to is to stop people reshuffling the deck. You don't like there being two imperial riders in the game. Yeah, I'm not a, not a fan. Gotcha. Um, cool. I, it, it's not like a huge problem, but it's it is something that i'd rather just have yeah. there be more stuff yeah well how do we want to do this do we want to just like start burning through them like let's just let's just like here's an action card here's an action card like do we just need to start firing off let's read them let's, let's, read, let's, them. let's do it. We, read them we can, we can uh, trade off yeah yeah let's let's all right uh, here's the order it's gonna be hunter and then dane and then me and we're gonna go from left to right top to bottom does that make sense? Okay. All right, we're just gonna let's just cool, burn cool, cool. through every single one of them. I love it. I'm gonna start. This is the first one. It's called Insider Information. After an agenda is revealed, look at the top card of the agenda deck. Like the timing. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, this is notable because uh, Dane, you specifically mentioned uh, the other day in our in our Prophecy of Kings episode the agenda that is like, hey, secretly look at an agenda. And mm-hmm. and nobody else gets to see it. This is the counter to that, right? Like if somebody else has insider information, they get to know what the next agenda is to see For the thing, right? For yeah. covert legislation, right? So this this is the direct counter to that. That's awesome. But the other the other you know big primary use of this is uh, especially in the vanilla game since this is yeah is you know going to be released in the vanilla state um, is that you get to know the second agenda right. before voting on the first one right right so it's I, it. I get to know if shard of the throne is up next and if my votes are worth saving or or if i can burn them all for this one that's awesome yep exactly lovely love it so next up we've got plagiarize action spend five influence and choose a non-faction technology owned by one of your neighbors uh gain that technology <laughs> i that's awesome uh, i love that it is a uh positional based thing i'm assuming we're talking about neighbors in terms of like actual board state neighbors so if i'm a if i'm a mentac always on the on the lookout for neighbors i could end up just steal i'm almost like a mini necro i get to steal a tech from kind of anybody and it's a stall so that rules five influences a lot though that's not five influences a lot yeah it's 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 a costly it's a costly tech but you know you're 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 skipping all the prerequisites as well right. so that's true i didn't even think of that that and it's notable too that this is kind of one of the few action cards we see where spending influence is the is the cost of the thing rather than like trade goods or resources or whatever so just converting that into influence is, is pretty useful uh next up yep. we've got master plan 
after you perform an action, you may perform an additional action this turn. Yeah. So like a mini fleet logistics. We just got we got a second we got a we got a one time use fleet logistics. And it works with fleet logistics as well. Oh God, that's true. <laughs> This <laughs> Dane, you should have made this a four of, so then somebody could have six actions in a single turn. That, yeah. that, that there, there was a joke about that at one point. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one is called Rally. After you activate a system that contains another player's ships, place two command tokens from your reinforcements in your fleet pool. It's a little, hey, I'm going to attack you, and also I can have more stuff in one spot than Surprise. i did before yeah that's awesome i i you know what's funny is i've gotten so used to the action cards that like we already have right the base game mm -hmm. set of like what 80 action cards um mm -hmm. total uh and and i forget that action cards can just be little things here's just like a little thing this isn't rally is like can be powerful obviously but also it's just like here's a little thing and it's funny to me that you can so easily throw out like new permutations of action cards that like will very drastically change the game just because of all the new events that can take place, right? A rally attack is now going to be a thing that people refer to. Oh God, yeah. they rallied me. And and that's gonna be an impactful moment in a single game of Twilight Imperium. And, and I forget that that can happen out of just like a single action card because we've gotten so used to what we already have. Next up, scramble frequency. After another player makes a bombardment space cannon or anti-fighter barrage roll, that player re-rolls all of their dice. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I feel like you are this is a this is an, another instance of Troll Dane taking control. <laughs> <laughs> Every once Why in a while Troll Dane wins out. Because you just like things that are just like whoop. Pulled the rug out from under you. Gotcha. Like, gotcha cards are are an interesting... But it's not even quite a gotcha. No, it's, it's a gotcha, not. but who knows who the right. gotcha is. Yeah. Because it might even be... <laughs> you might, be might reroll it and it'd be worse <laughs> for you now. Yeah, that's true. That's funny. I, I Yeah, I, I forget that the value of cards like this can be very, very... This is like a plague. Swingy. This might be yeah. my new plague. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Play a scramble frequency on me. Maybe it gets better for me. Screw you. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of using this for, especially like against Destroyer 2s yeah, or something, yeah, something like kind of swingy like there, that. There are big things that this can have an impact again. This sucks yeah. for extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, forward supply blaze. Uh, oh my God. Blaze. Forward yeah. supply no, base. you got it. I got supply it. Blaze. I'm doing it. That's what After it says. another player activates a system that contains your units, gain three trade goods, then... Choose another player to gain one trade good. This is like a mini production biomes that only works if you get attacked. <laughs> it's a bit like E res in that regard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's good. I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Next one is fighter conscription. Action. Place one fighter from your reinforcements in each system that contains one or more of your space stocks or units that have capacity. They cannot be placed in systems that contain other players' ships. So this is that's our cool. this is our fighter rise of the Messiah, mm -hmm. that's, right? That's right. That's awesome. Yes, super super cool. I I it's a little. I I feel like Rise of the Messiah is like always a certain level of good. Yeah, yeah. This one has like is a little bit swingier, and <laughs> that sometimes it will be insane, yeah. probably. Yeah, and sometimes it'll be okay, and sometimes it'll just be like whatever. Yeah. But 
but yeah, this 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 one I feel like can swing up really high depending on the situation. All right. Next up, we got Blitz. At the start of an invasion, each of your non-fighter ships in the active system that do not have bombardment gain bombardment six until the end of the what? <laughs> There's a lot. I'm genuinely a lot of these are I'm not I have not read at all, and that is wild to me. That is a huge action card. The idea yeah. that I can take, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a faction that is routinely someone with, like, a decently high fleet supply. You know, like Barony or, like, like let's say a Yin that is really focused on destroyers. Blitz sounds devastating <laughs> with that kind of a faction. I also feel like it'd be really helpful for like a late game Mentech yeah. uh, game where you're like, I don't have any bombardment. Right. And I'm like trying to score a control objective and it's so hard and I have no options. And then you draw blitz and you're like, ooh, these I cruisers are going to get to work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's awesome. And you could get a make example of their world without being so obvious. Wow. About it. Yeah. Dane, you sneaky little dog. I know. <laughs> uh, next up is Harness Energy. After you activate an anomaly, replenish your commodities. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> this is like a gimme. <laughs> I, Although, I, I love, I already foresee the situation where I have to use this, but I'm, I don't have a reason to move into the, yeah, the yeah. anomaly. I, I'm like, I have no reason to move into this asteroid field, but I just need them. <laughs> Yeah, or the, a supernova. Yeah, you just, right. You yeah. just, you just, you're just draining the right. uh, the energy from it. This, that's, this is one that definitely though is base game is like well, okay, that's kind of uh, sure I'll have to do that. But in in the expansion with the addition of like frontier tokens and the idea that players are very often like sending a destroyer oh, right. yes, yes, yes. into like an asteroid field to go explore the frontier token, this is an awesome addition for that. So base game harness energy is like oh, okay fine, but prophecy of kings harness energy is is a whole other ball game because that's something that people yep. will be doing actually somewhat often it seems like. Be true, be true. And either way, it's a second commodity refresh in a single turn. True. It's going to be worth a lot to some factions, for sure. Yeah, Hakan loves this. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next one is Hack Election. After an agenda is revealed... Oh, yeah, I read this one before. After an agenda is revealed, during this agenda, voting begins with the player to the right of the speaker and <laughs> continues counterclockwise. This is my favorite action card from this Change show. places! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this rules in a way uh, that few action cards get to rule, which is just like the goofy kind of thing like just, just yeah this is and it can ha obviously it can have a big impact but this is just this just gets to be fun every time it gets played <laughs> it's a wrench yeah it's a wrench yeah. in someone's yeah. plan sometimes maybe it's a the card you discard because you have seven cards because you don't know how it's going to come into play but sometimes you're last in voting order and shard of the throne comes out or whatever or, or mm -hmm. i guess vice versa whatever maybe maybe the opposite is more true you want to be last in voting order because you know the last voter has way more sway and you get to turn mm -hmm. things around so that it, it, this this is one of those ones where it'll either be discarded or it'll be huge <laughs> yeah all right next up oh i'm so glad i got this one <laughs> Reflective shielding. Uh, when one of your ships uses sustained damage during combat, produce two hits against your opponent's oh, ships in the active my system. God, Dane, what have you done? <laughs> this this uh, this card went through uh, yeah, this a lot of changes. A, a lot of a lot of versions. Um, 
which which testers were this is very been contentious. opinionated about. Yeah, yeah. But but I like where you've ended up. I will still say this is terrifyingly powerful. Um, but my favorite thing about it is um, direct hit has been a thing that is kind of uh, plagued base game, which is like, oh man, direct hit really is super powered, especially because Dreadnought 2s are a thing and you can you can avoid direct hits with those. So then right. direct hits become just this like flagship killer. Um, and reflective shielding is an opportunity to be an answer to that of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you kill, so you direct hitted my thing, but I still used sustained damage. And now I get to also in a way direct hit you. Uh, mm-hmm. so that to that end, I find this, um, almost like a, a return, like bringing the balance back to the force <laughs> that direct sure. hit sort of threw off. Direct hit is just miserable, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you say that in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, <laughs> next up mm-hmm. is impersonation as an action. Spend three influence to draw one secret objective. I keep getting the ones that are just like, yeah, do the thing. Okay, great. Yeah. Every third action card in this set is like the thing that you would like to do every once in a while. And not every action card needs to be a game. No, I agree. I totally agree. I love this. This is a thing, especially with how uh, I I don't know how Prophecy of Kings will play out with like the importance of secret objectives, but I welcome any opportunity in the base game for new opportunities to draw secret objectives because that can be such a debilitating factor in the base game. I mean, I think in a tight game, this is this this card would actually could kind of make your game a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of games that would have been agree. decided by getting yeah. one secret objective before everybody else. Yeah, again, in base game, there's there's pretty limited amount of secret objectives that come up. So if you get this early, mm-hmm. especially, that's a really good opportunity to cycle a secret objective that could be dangerous. In Prophecy of Kings, there's double the amount of secrets. So, like, who knows what you're going to get, but it's still going right. to have some value. So this is, this is like the opposite of the one we referred to earlier, where this is actually, I would say, better right now in this moment and will actually be a mildly worse action card when prophecy of kings is in well that'll hands. just be because we don't know them that well yeah yeah no exactly i mean i think regardless getting a secret objective yes will be good, always, will always good. be good uh, um next one is called solar flare after you activate a system during this movement other players cannot use space cannon against your ships i think this one rules <laughs> i love that this exists this, this is a, a, a real good end. I have a bone to pick with it, though. So you made you made make an example of their world um, better with Blitz. And with this action card, you, oh, sure. ju- <laughs> you just made turn their fleets to dust worse. <laughs> so thanks, Dane. Thanks for that. Appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I do what I can. <laughs> Sanction. Yeah. After an agenda is revealed. So this is basically a new writer. Uh, you cannot vote on this agenda. <laughs> predict, predict aloud an outcome of this agenda. If your prediction is correct, each player that voted for that outcome returns one command token from their fleet supply to their reinforcements. Wow, that's it's like a awesome. negative writer, like an it's anti, an anti writer. Yeah, it's an yep. anti writer. That's hilarious. You, you put this on something that you don't want to happen. Yeah, because it's gonna. Which it's is gonna change how everyone else feels about yeah, it. Yeah, it's occasionally how like an imperial writer works, but like when you play an imperial writer that way, you're like, I don't want to do. I want my imperial writer yeah. to get voted on. This is mm-hmm. the opportunity of like, no, I literally my only goal right now is to make you not want to vote on that, to and it won't. This the other and way. it won't cost me anything. It's just swing it the other way. Yeah, I yeah. love that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Counter stroke after a player activates a system. 
that contains one of your command tokens, return that command token to your tactic pool. That is mind-boggling. That is so interesting of... It, so we talked last uh, last episode about like some of these new abilities that are like jacking up the command token idea. This isn't quite that, but it is like a very you know it's opening up a retaliation or whatever uh, for me. So I'm I'm very interested, uh, especially with like home system situations that come up in games or like Mechatol Rex. This action card has big implications for that kind of a scenario. Yeah, I also like that this is because. You could you could use unexpected action for this purpose. Oh wow, yeah, that's but, awesome. Uh, but now it is like kind of streamlined into this card is specifically for that, which yeah, yeah. I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ghost Squad. After a player commits units to land on a planet you control, I love the name of this card, <laughs> Ghost Squad. That's like my that would be like my fan fiction version of Ghostbusters. Well, it's got to um, go with Ghost Ship. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. After a player commits units to land on a planet you control, move any number of ground forces from any planet you control in the active system to any other planet you control in the active system. My boy. My brain fell apart. (laughs) Here, wait, hold up, hold up. Player commits units to land on a planet you control. Move any number of ground forces from any planet you control in the active system to any other planet you control in the active system. So it's sort of like in a two planet. It's like, I'm going to attack the weaker planet. Uh, no, you're not, because Ghost Squad, baby. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, or it's, or or maybe you are actually abandoning. Right. Oh, yeah. You can make a deal retreat. with them of, like, you know, you go for one. Well, I'm going to go ahead and secure Barrig then if you're doing Lerda 4 or whatever. A, a bunch of different ways to use this card, I feel like. Um, yep. Uh, very, very interesting. I, I wonder um, if this is one that in Prophecy of Kings is like dramatically altered due to like, well, first off there are three planet systems in prophecy of Kings. There are two systems mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with three planets. So yep. that really kind of drastically changes the context of this thing. But uh, yeah, I, I also, you're going to see a lot more territory control matter because of the exploration mechanic. And like, there will be planets that are like, actually this is, this is a yellow tech skip where it normally wouldn't have been or whatever. And maybe that yellow tech skip is worth a point. Um, so I, I feel like Ghost Squad in Prophecy of Kings has like a very new meaning, whereas right now it's sort of like a yay, okay, there's some two planet systems out there, and you can kind of do a weird swap a Rooney. But I, yeah. I also me- also mechs. Yeah, yeah, mechs. Yeah, are, mechs yeah. moving a a single mech onto a planet that didn't otherwise have one is a pretty significant change in the balance of that fight. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, all right, Dane, take us away with this the final action card. But worth noting, this is the only one in the set that is a four times action card. So similar to like direct hit or sabotage, there are four of these. War Machine. When one or more of your units use production, apply plus four to the total production value of your units and reduce the combined cost of the produced units by one. Pretty cool. That is awesome. I'm very glad that's four of. It's kind of a, it's a, it's an interesting card that, um, that is, I wouldn't say that's a complaint of TI4 base game, but it is a notable factor is like your production limit in any given game. You know, that's something that really impacts something like Nalu uh, or other factions with like notably bad home systems where it's just like, I only have like a 
two, you know, my, my biggest planet is like a two resource home system uh, or whatever. Um, the, this is a huge card for those factions. So someone like L1Z1X probably doesn't care a ton about this card. They're not going to use, they're not going to do like yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. 11 build out of their home system, but the factions that needed a boost like this, that's huge. So that I'm super glad that this is going to be decently common in the deck where factions that need it will actually get their hands on it. And yeah. at worst it's, it's a, a resource. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if you're it's not a, using the plus four, it's a Sarween yeah. tools. So why not? Yep. Love it. Love it. Good. Love well, it. Love it. Real good. <laughs> so we burn, we burn through a lot of those. I mean, that, that's a decent amount of action cards. That is, that is almost as many as come in the entirety of, uh, prophecy of kings itself so between i, I believe that is as many as right come so in, in so then with kings. this codex and prophecy of kings we have not we've what like one and a half times the the total action card deck uh which yep, is we'll be at 120 150 percent wow that so so we're getting to a place now where i'm not going to call the action card deck bloated but like we said sort of at the top of this it is now ideally we're very rarely, if ever, reshuffling the deck, which is, which That's is pretty correct. awesome. W- would and, you... and I don't expect there to be more action. I was about to ask way. that. Do you feel like you are more or less, like, you know, out of significant action card ideas with all of this? Um, do you suspect any more codexes with would come with, at the very least, this many action cards? Maybe I don't. I don't think that. I mean, I would necessarily ever be out of ideas, sure. but certainly. Um, yeah, there would never be this many, and I honestly don't know that there will ever be any more, period. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of action cards. Yeah, this is a lot now. This, If I were to categorize this codex, even though there's some other, you know, we've gone through some of these other bigger changes, this is the action card codex. I mean, m- more sure. than anything yep. else. That, that That is the biggest impact that this uh, uh, codex has on the state of the game. I'm excited yeah. to see where future codexes change the game it, it it certainly has interesting implications for just our show um you know for two years now we've been kind of locked into this like let's keep talking about the thing that we have over and over and over <laughs> and over right. again and right. i i wasn't getting tired of that but now we have this completely new like revitalized sense of like we get to always explore the new rather than like okay i guess we need to like really remaster our extra strategy guide and like make it even more refined in a way that makes me very sad as a person because I'm not a good enough player to do that. So, I'm, well, I, I'm excited <laughs> about the new action card episode yeah. where <laughs> we, get we rank all of these and there's so many more now. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to nail it again. Nail hashtag nailed it. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the last thing that comes with this, uh, Codex is also a pretty huge addition, even though the action cards are a, a huge deal. There's an entire scenario, which uh, the only other scenario we've ever had in Twilight Imperium was in the Shards of the Throne uh, expansion for TI3. And it's a scenario that I think a lot of people have never given a go at. I mean, I know I never have. Um, so it's very interesting to see um, a specific scenario introduced into the game. Um, Dane, what is your, like, what do you, what do you, are you hoping people play this all the time? Or is this the kind of thing where, you know, people will play it like once and it's just like a fun little thing to do? Or, I mean, wh- where does this fall for you? 
Yeah. Um, so this particular scenario um, to me is is kind of like a it, it serves a couple of purposes. It's a it, it gives you like a little twist on a way to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sh- it it uses factions that showcase um, you know content from the codex. Right. So you'll you'll note that the factions that are assigned are the ones that have uh, revised faction and promissory notes. Um, and also, uh, this particular faction actually it spoils a bunch of Argent flight abilities and kind of lets people, you know, experience that right. uh, through through the uh, through the the flagship quadle and the uh, the um, faction the techs. necros yeah. the necros uh, faction tech. So in in this scenario, the necrovirus player will actually start with two two faction tech you know thematically already assimilated uh-huh. um so they will not have the option of using the valfire simulator x and y they will instead um start with uh these texts with their strange names question mark question mark <laughs> question mark exception no id question mark question mark question mark and four question marks redacted four question marks <laughs> which 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 are um actually direct copies of the Argent flight tech. Right, right. Um, faction tech. So Necro uh, gets to play as like a mini, uh, like a half step to Argent, but even more than that, there's this whole other... Mechatol Rex doesn't even exist in this scenario. There is no Mechatol Rex system, right? Yep, that's right. There is no Mechatol Rex. The Custodian's token, uh, which will rec- represent the, the flagship that people are kind of fighting over, um, will instead... Uh, take the place of Rex uh, in 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 rules text essentially. Yeah. Um, so as as far as Imperial and all that stuff goes, um, and additionally that Custodian's token, um, the, the the Argent Flight ship is going to kind of thematically uh, represent a bunch of the Argent Flight's abilities. Mm, uh, right. So so the the Argent Flight flagship um, makes it so that. Space cannon can't be used against the Argent ships in its system. Right. Um, so that 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 goes across as well, and it also, uh, you know, the the players can repair the, the the damaged flagship and move it around. If they get it into their home system, um, then they they'll be able to cast additional votes during the agenda phase, which is also an Argent flight right. ability. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so we're getting kind of this is more or less a teaser to Prophecy of Kings. Just like it's one, a teaser uh, to Prophecy of Kings. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm very interested in giving this a go. I, we're recording this way ahead of time. The 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 goal for us, for Hunter and I, is to have either just played this, and you can maybe find the YouTube video coming up soon, or there will be are. a stream like this coming weekend. I don't know how things will time out, but we definitely want to play this. Uh, in general, it's funny. Um, the the way in which my I, my opinion of like a, a TI scenario has changed. Like I said, we never sat down to the table to play shards of the the the, the fall of the empire scenario in TI three. Um, but at the time, TI three was this game that was just like, here's a billion options. You figure out what you want to do with them. And and the option that always got left aside was like, well, I'm not going to also just play in a, a completely new board game. Um, right. But I feel like TI4, in giving us a more refined experience for, you know, two plus years now, what are we coming? Yeah, we're coming up on three years um, of 
of TI4 being out, people know what to expect from a game of TI. So I suddenly feel way more open to the idea of let's shake it up. Let's do something different. Like give me a give yeah. me a completely new scenario to try. And I, I can see myself playing this a few times. Like I, I bet I will play it like around five or more times before like the next codex is released or whatever. This is a thing that I genuinely want to give a go at like every, you know, every few months or whatever. Yeah. And, and it, because of the nature of this particular scenario, because it's not, you know, because Prophecy of Kings is just up on the, on the horizon and because this is a teaser for a faction that will eventually be in the game, I don't see it as like, uh, you know, like an evergreen scenario. Yeah, like, totally. I may totally, I may, I will put scenarios out there that I will consider to be more like that. Like to me, this is just kind of like a holdover, a teaser, something fun, something different. Yeah. Um, but I do expect that that is one thing I can say for sure to expect from future, future codex things is there will be, you know, some more in-depth, in-depth scenarios. Right. Um, but, but even for what it is, I, I, appreciate that as a thing to i mean you you see this every once in a while in the other games but just the idea again the whole purpose of this codex is like a new community involvement thing and so what you get to do is take this ordinian scenario and say give this a go for a little while community like just Mm -hmm. in general just like try it out there's no there's no sense that this is now supposed to be the new way to play but this is a thing that gets to shift community's involvement with the game for a couple months or whatever who knows maybe like we get this out and we do like a little micro tournament you know so you know people like patience is a virtue or other uh mainstays in the community have been doing these little like small 36 player tournaments i could easily see a 36 player tournament of this scenario and just Mm kind of see how it goes uh and 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 then move on with our lives from it I, i i think that is a fun thing that i would hope to see more of and if anything too i think that, I think that sounds great yeah I, I hope it encourages other people similar to how like people will make their own maps um i hope this encourages people to kind of like come up with their own scenarios right and just kind of mm-hmm. come up with a new way to play and that can be a community resource that evolves from this uh, mentality um I, I i think twilight imperium has more legs than people give it credit for and people give it a lot of credit, right? People already like people know you can play it a lot of times and, and get uh, different experiences out of it. But this is just proof that like you can really go really far because the systems at play don't have to revolve around this kind of pie slice mechatol Rex in the center focused conflict. Like you can do other things with it. And I think that's really, really interesting. One thing I will say um, is that there was a time when I was unsure whether the codex would be released on, alongside the announcement and or alongside the release of Prophecy of Kings. Right. Um, so this actually was a scenario that was born out of that knowledge. The original plan, and something I do intend to see in another codex, so please look forward to that, <laughs> um, Is was actually uh, a 2v2v2 teams oh, wow. alliance. Um, not not necessarily scenario but mode yeah uh that that uses the um the new prophecy of kings promissory note the alliance promissory note to to grant that ability from the get-go to formalize an actual victory point alliance wow exactly um so so expect that in a future codex please doubles 
It's gonna <laughs> yeah. 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 Two two v two v two parentheses v two. That rules. Uh, wow, what a te- I was not expecting that teaser, and that that is awesome. I'm I'm very excited for just where codexes are gonna go in general. Again, who knows what kind of content we see in the future? Whether it be new text, new promissory notes, new action cards. I don't know. I could see you doing a big agenda codex, which would be very fun, just like totally new, as much of a deluge of a action cards we got this time, like just, here's a bunch more crazy agendas. Um, I, I, I love it all. Um, I hope, I really do hope someday we are able to convince Fantasy Flight, like you said, to like somehow package this as a thing and actually, you know, print it in high quality and, and give it to us. But until then, I'm very excited to just have access to all this and, and we will definitely be printing our own and uh, giving all of this a go, so I'm I'm really stoked. yeah I'm I'm really excited as well. I'm just excited for to see everybody's reaction to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a see, completely see it it's a completely new vibe that is going to exist in the compu- community, which is to say, like there's going to be life in it. Whereas what we've had for three years has been great, but what we have had is they gave us this thing, and now it's we have to run with it. But now like there's a back and forth that we get with you, Dane, that is something we haven't seen. And, and that more than anything else, more than just getting new components, the idea that we get to have a back and forth with fantasy flight is the, is the most invigorating part of this whole uh, enterprise. Yeah. It's great. I'm glad that you guys are excited. So am I super excited. Uh, I'm glad I'm excited to be in a discovery mode again. Very yeah. much. Well, Dane, thank you so much for being part of both of these episodes with us. It's been it's Absolutely. been a busy been a busy day for us and a and a busy yeah an weekend. absolute rock block of <laughs> recording. <laughs> like Dane, you have shown real fortitude in being able to hang with us like this. I I'm, I'm very impressed. Three and a half hours and. Uh, None, none the t- more tired. It seems. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but I'm I ready. feel fantastic. I feel fantastic. I'm, re- I'm ready I'm... to play some TI. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right, all right. We're gonna hop on. We're gonna play some TI. You guys enjoy the re- you know whatever we're gonna do in the errata. Have at it. But uh, it's time to transition out of this. Dane, again, thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thank you for Thanks this for game. Thanks for making new stuff. Thanks for making new Please. stuff. <laughs> thank you. No problem. Thanks, guys. And with that, we draw the weekend to a close. Oh, man. I'm exhausted, y'all. I'm poopered. Hunter's even more poopered. He finishes his move to Arkansas today. So next time you hear us, we'll still not be recording in the same room because Hunter is going to take the necessary two weeks of quarantine for COVID. So it'll still feel weird. For a little bit, but then, ooh, then eventually here soon, we get to record in the same room again, and I cannot wait. Uh, I'm we're not doing any errata again this time. Sorry, we're skipping it so much. Uh, I just want to do the errata with Hunter, and he hasn't been able to be available during these uh, Prophecy of Kings episodes, but that's okay. There's I feel like plenty of content to digest here, and I think nobody's complaining. 
that we're not doing very much Winu strategy guide errata. I don't think anybody misses that. And in fact, I don't know that there really is any Winu strategy guide errata. We'll see, I guess, next week. Anyways, I want to thank our space kitties and our weird bears. Farganus, Brian, Billy, T.G. Welch, Naderade, Patience as a Virtue, Polyphonia, Requiem, R.Y.S., Hippie Peace, Turtles, Gas, Kyo, Dark Jutsu, More Tension, Bapa, and Absol197. Uh, if you're a member of the Hunter Donaldson fan club, you got to vote. Go vote! For either three-player in real life Nuzlocke with myself, Hunter, and EJ, or a game with audience agendas, or a round of Frankendraft, or a root game with all Marquise de Cats, all four players Marquise de Cats, or for whatever reason, Hunter and I are going to do the co-op of the Halo 1 campaign. Why not? Why not? Uh, also, if you're in the Galactic Council, you got uh, you don't really have a vote anymore. It's It's been over. We're doing partners in TI. But if you are a Galactic Counselor, keep an eye out on the Discord for um, the request for questions. Obviously, I'll put it in the um, in, on Patreon as well. Uh, but on the Discord and on Patreon, we'll start collecting questions for Hunters and my significant others. I don't know what that is going to mean to you or what it's going to mean to us. Uh, I think the main idea is kind of more about like, what's your familiarity with Twilight Imperium, you know, via Matt and Hunter. But I don't know. What's it like to be married to people who have staunchly dedicated their lives to doing way too much uh, TI stuff? I don't know. You you tell me what, what it means to you and send in your questions and whatnot. Um... Finally, I don't think there's much on the Twitch schedule. I think Hunter's going to be moving in all this next week. Uh, so hang in there with us while we kind of get resituated. But then once he's here, we should be able to kind of kick things back into high gear and have some fun, uh, fun stuff going on. I do know that the Oops All Ghosts game has been hitting the YouTube. So if you haven't seen that game yet, it's wackadoodle and you should go check it out because it's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, please visit our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com to get all the different links for our discords and Twitters and Facebooks and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and you know, that get on the discords, come join in the conversation, be a part of all of this with us. There's so much more now to talk about. The Prophecy of Kings channel is just going nuts all day, every day. Everybody in every time zone is talking about Prophecy of Kings nonstop. There's lots of really good theory crafting going on. People like, uh, shout out to Wecker, who's become like this, you know, in movies when they're like, enhance, uh, let's give me an enhancement on that. And it's like completely made up, like digital processing. Wecker is capable of actually doing that. He's like the nerd in every, uh, every like spy movie where they're just like, we got to hire the dude with big glasses and the dude with big glasses is just there like making all, solving all of their problems for them. That's what uh, Wecker has been doing. And not, not just Wecker, not a single, you know, one person out, but there's so many sleuths out there that are like figuring out all the different text on the sheets and everything that have been revealed. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, our goal is to be able to maybe get more stuff to spoil for you all. That's There's no guarantee there. It's just kind of an ongoing conversation of just trying to see how much Fantasy Flight wants to trickle more information out. So keep an eye on episodes going forward. We're going to see if we can get stuff coming out. Uh, nothing today. Obviously, there was kind of a content overload today. So uh, hopefully, though, next week we can start maybe leaking a couple more things per week. I don't know. No, again, no guarantees, but be fun. It'd be fun if we could do that. So that's the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Same cat time, same cat channel.
Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>